You're listening to Crypto Conversations, brought to you by Block Party, recorded live at Pete's Candy Store in Brooklyn. Crypto Conversations is a series of live talks, interviews, presentations, and conversations with some of the leading experts in the field of blockchain. All right, let's get this started. Thank you for your patience, everybody. Uh, welcome. We got a very, very full house here, so thanks for coming. This is our second Crypto Conversations night. Um, and if you want to hear about some killer crypto projects in Brooklyn, you are in the right place. And who better to shed some light on what is happening in creative crypto ventures in Brooklyn and beyond than Ethereum co-founder and consensus CEO, CEO Joe Lubin. Yeah. And who better to pick his brain and share some insights than Jake Bruckman of Williamsburg's own coin fund. It, yeah. It's so excellent to have Joe and Jake here. So let's give a big hand for these two luminaries. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction. I'm uh, very happy to be here. It's my pleasure to be interviewing uh, Joseph Lubin tonight. Um, just as like one quick sentence about CoinFund. We were a crypto fund. We were based right here in Williamsburg. Uh, been around since 2015 studying cryptocurrencies and digital assets and, and all the various technologies. We've seen Ethereum... Uh, evolve from a, a white paper uh, into the formation that it is today. We've seen consensus kind of grow along with that, with that ecosystem. Um, Joe was an, uh, early in Bitcoin. He was the CEO of uh, the company that that basically brought Ethereum to fruition. Uh, Whatever that meant back then. <laughs> we, we just uh, we sat around a table one night and uh, felt we should have titles. And, and nice. Sort of, sort of how that happened. Um, Joe, you were also involved in the um, the creation of the Ethereum Foundation, and since late 2014, uh, probably best known as the CEO of Consensus Systems or Consensus. Um, what I'd like to do is, you know, it's been about three years um, or so since since Consensus uh, launched, and kind of ask you some questions about the company and sort of where we are today. Yeah. And to so, to set so you and I sat together. About three years ago, maybe. It was, it was March uh, of 2016. Is that, is that when you came and visited? That's right. Yeah, so we've been around for three and a half, maybe a little more than three and a half years. Okay. Fantastic. Um, so, but to, to set the stage, um, let me maybe take us back. It's, it's about November 10th, 2015. Uh, the venue is uh, Gibson Hall in London. Uh, the event is DEFCON 1, the first public uh, developer conference of Ethereum. You're giving a 22-minute talk entitled Towards a Dynamic, Economic, Social, and Political Mesh. This can be seen as uh, really the inaugural kind of uh, uh, vision outlined for consensus. And you use phrases like a new organizing principle for humanity, phrases like a constellation of projects, uh, quasi-stable dynamic equilibria and so on and so forth. Can you talk uh, talk to us about what is a mesh and why that is the the best structure to do what consensus has set wow, out to do? That really does sound prescient, doesn't it? Uh, I, <laughs> you should have probably uh, uh, given me your notes so I could uh, go back and uh, <laughs> and see what I said back then. Um, so yeah, it was uh, it was definitely about the notion that uh, um, with the um, easy proliferation of information and technology. And um, it was really before the token launch madness uh, started happening. But I think we had this notion 
uh, certainly from Ethereum, that uh, a group of people could sell a token and, and fund a project, create a networked business model, uh, a new kind of uh, way of organizing for collective uh, behavior, collective value creation, service provision, product provision. Um, so it was coming out of uh, those experiences and uh, uh, definitely felt that barrier to entry for entrepreneurs was going to be very low going forward. It, it had been uh, dropping for a very long time. Um, and uh, uh, so the idea was that uh, uh, we shouldn't try to create the next Google, Apple, Microsoft, Oracle, Amazon. We should... Uh, um, uh, realized that uh, the future was going to be flatter. Uh, decentralization implied uh, uh, flatter organizations, and uh, the idea was to create a situation where um, entrepreneurs would be happy to be uh, for a very long time, wouldn't feel like uh, they would want to leave their department uh, where they're creating a product and uh, take some of their colleagues and form their own company and, and own it that way. So within consensus, within the mesh of projects and companies that uh, uh, we would create and now have created, um, uh, we could have lots of entrepreneurs and serial entre entrepreneurs. And uh, um, so it worked out reasonably well. Um, and I, I think um, I ended that uh, talk um, with sort of a, a call for an ownership society uh, where um, many more people would have uh, economic political agency. Um, and we're seeing that these network business models, these protocol-based open platforms, um, uh, will, I think, once we get them right, um, will enable more people to uh, participate uh, much more directly without uh, intermediaries uh, like financial institutions and, and record companies and ride-sharing companies uh, sucking up most of the value in those ecosystems. And so I think we're on our way. It's moving slowly and mind-blowingly quickly at the same time. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and <clears throat> it seems like consensus is built on kind of the principles and technologies of, of Ethereum itself, it's arguably kind of the biggest uh, organization as a champion of Ethereum. And even in that talk, you had a bullet point um, at some point which said, you know, scalability, uh, parenthetically, of Ethereum is probably the winner-take-all holy grail. And so underlying, uh, underlying consensus is, that, is this notion that Ethereum is going to win. Now, it's been three years. There's been a lot of activity, a lot of innovation in blockchain. There's a lot of competing platforms. There's a lot of platforms that support the Ethereum virtual machine that are not Ethereum. Um, you know, is do you still believe in this winner-take-all strategy? And um, what is why why is consensus the best uh, kind of strategy in that scenario? Yeah, so I I, I don't necessarily believe in the winner-take-all strategy. I, I think that uh, we're going to see hundreds or thousands of decentralized protocols. Uh, some of them will be uh, big and dominating some sort of niche or or one of a couple different platforms in a certain niche. So I think Ethereum is very large, astonishingly large. Uh, it's really hard to, to know how large it is from the outside, uh, and it's growing exponentially. Um, so the, the amount of activity now compared to nine months ago um, is... It, one, one and a half orders of magnitude, I think. 
Um, and so I think Ethereum is going to be significant going forward. Uh, but we'll we'll need uh, protocols for decentralized storage and bandwidth and heavy compute and proof of location and uh, all sorts of different uh, elements. Um, um, I, I agree that uh, consensus is somewhat predicated on Ethereum, uh, but we also understand that uh, uh, we're still at the beginning of the development of an ecosystem and. Ethereum may be called Ethereum in four or five years, but it's probably going to look very, very different from from how it looks now. Um, and there are some great other protocols out there. Um, so Definity is doing really good work, and uh, our chain's an interesting project. They, you know, they'll, hopefully they'll get more traction, bigger community. Cardano's doing some good work, um, and and so. Uh, I, I think uh, we will all liberally steal from one another and carve out uh, some interesting niches. Um, I, I, so at, at present, they there really aren't um, other radically decentralized protocols that can handle trusted transactions, automated agreements, smart software objects. So uh, Ethereum has a big lead, but uh, um, still uh, not much scalability. I, I think we're moving essentially into uh, phase two or epic number two, uh, where we've got lots of sidechain mechanisms, uh, plasma and different kinds of relay mechanisms that will link those sidechains uh, uh, into Ethereum. So we'll get scalability uh, at layer two and uh, the trust layer. Uh, I think uh, uh, I don't think there's a better alternative at this point than Ethereum. And, and it could be that... Uh, um, that that lasts for a pretty long time. It, it, it's almost like you're implying that you might diversify at some point, or or you see um, so, alternatives that are viable. Well, uh, diversify. Yeah, we're always looking around. Um, right now, uh, there's no there's no choice that's even close um, mm -hmm. from our perspective. But we still need uh, we need a whole lot of technology at layer two um, to uh, take us uh, uh, until some other protocol comes along to displace Ethereum, which I'm skeptical <laughs> of, um, or uh, until uh, Casper sharding, etc., cetera, uh, really emerges. And uh, there, you know, I know uh, uh, we go back and forth uh, with different versions of Casper and uh, um, you know, it, it appears that uh, we're spinning our wheels, but there's just so much subtle thinking uh, that is being done. And uh, I don't know if you read uh, Vitalik's tweet storm from a couple of days ago, of but uh, it really presents a, a a coherent narrative, a trajectory through a whole lot of thinking, and the the degree of subtlety and sophistication uh, that uh, is going on is really quite impressive. And, and there a small number of other projects in the space, uh, very, very small, uh, that have that level of, mm -hmm. of thinking going on. Absolutely agree there. Um, around the time that I walked into Consensus, I guess m maybe late 2015, early 2016, uh, you guys were a company of about 100 people uh, headquartered in, of all places, Bushwick, Brooklyn. Can you talk about how you guys have grown over the last three, three and a half years? And sure. what have you learned from that growth? 
We started as uh, intending to sort of continue the vision of the Ethereum project and uh, um, started wanting to be a venture production studio. Uh, we uh, started building a few applications, realized it was hard building applications with no developer tools in, uh, in an ecosystem that didn't really exist. And uh, so we built developer tools and uh, uh, those have seen lots of downloads and uh, have, have helped drive um, the developer community, have grown the developer community until, into what is, uh, uh, I think, by far the biggest blockchain developer community in the world. Uh, so Ray Valdez, uh, who, uh, who started the, uh, uh, the blockchain practice at Gartner, uh, estimated that uh, the, the Ethereum community, based on a whole bunch of, of different uh, uh, factors, was 40 times larger than number two, which is the IBM Fabric community. Um, and uh, so we built infrastructure. Uh, MetaMask uh, made it possible to run applications without having to first ask your customers to download the client from the Ethereum website and take eight hours or three days to, to sync it to your laptop. Uh, and Infura started out um, just enabling our internal projects to uh, build test nets for themselves, test systems, and uh, uh, very quickly it, it was obvious that uh, the rest of the world would be uh, excited to use it. And, and that's a very sophisticated team at this point. Uh, they handle about twice as many queries as Google handles in a day, which is uh, a testament to how terribly architected our applications are. Uh, just a, a lot of uh, polling uh, every time you all uh, uh, check your your wallet balances. So. <laughs> <laughs> how, ma how many people work at Consensus today? So currently we're a bit over a thousand. Um, and uh, we operate along four prongs of activity. So there's the product prong. Uh, so it's all that infrastructure stuff. Uh, core components like Identity and uh, Alethio. It's a uh, very sophisticated blockchain explorer and governance tools and accounting systems, reputation. Um, lots of these um, protocol-based open platforms, network business models, and niches like music and uh, soon supply chain and longitudinal health records and um, many others. Um, and... Uh, uh, prong number two is consulting. Uh, so we've done lots of work in energy, supply chain, healthcare, um, banking, insurance, um, some others, um, and uh, a bunch of government work uh, and some work with some central banks. Uh, the, on the government side of things, um, we've done identity in, in Zug in Switzerland where citizens are able to access government services and recently voted uh, in a plebiscite, which is kind of cool. And it, it's a small pilot project. Um, and it's being used in a couple other places that uh, aren't, aren't uh, publicized yet. Um, um, we are driving thought leadership in with the European Union Blockchain Observatory, so interacting with member nations and um, writing some papers um, um, in that context. Uh, I've done land registry and document signing systems, and um, our supply chain track and trace team came out of a bunch of uh, uh, consulting work that we did. Um, uh, Lots going on on that front. Built uh, real-time gross settlement systems for a couple of central banks. Um, academy, uh, education is the, the third prong. Uh, so uh, trained and or graduated about 1,500 blockchain engineers. Uh, turns out uh, 
uh, that's the best way to hire blockchain engineers. Find uh, find some great software engineers and uh, uh, and teach them how to how to do blockchain. Um, and we've taken lots of content that we've developed over the years and. Uh, uh, can now apply it to lots of different kinds of learners. So we've done a continuing legal education course and a bunch of other different kinds of courses. Uh, finally, prong four is capital markets activities. Um, one sort of foundation of that is a project called Trustology, which is a, a very sophisticated team that's building uh, custody 2.0 uh, so that uh, uh, when even conservative financial institutions decide to wrap their head around exposing themselves to token risk, uh, they're going to have a good narrative and a good system. Uh, so we're kind of approaching an alpha on that. Uh, it's uh, nice. Uh, yeah, it's, it uh, it works. We'll, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how uh, how so, rigorous it actually is. So what you've described is a uh, you know a tremendous amount of activity and um, didn't even finish. I'm sure you didn't even start. Um, and you know when when people see a company grow from you know like a hundred people to over a thousand people in three years doing that much activity, even in blockchain, that's kind of an unusual phenomenon, that, that kind of rapid growth. And I was wondering like, what, what might you be able to share with us about kind of the economics of consensus? They'll throw us some ideas, like does it generate revenue? Are you taking a, an Amazonian Jeff Bezos approach to reinvesting in growth? Um, does consensus hold assets in you know, crypto or fiat or equity or how does it work? Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we have a, a bunch of business lines that do generate revenue. The, the solutions um, uh, group is, uh, we have lots of regional offices around the world, so it's a, um, a federated model uh, where um, uh, they each uh, regional group has uh, a lot of autonomy, but they also get on calls several times a week and, and work together on lots of different projects. And we're trying to take that approach in a, a few of our different business lines. Um, uh, yes, we hold tokens. Uh, so our our accounting system has taken tokens. Our uh, token launch project, Token Foundry, which also sits in that fourth prong, capital markets uh, and uh, helps to launch projects either with consumer utility tokens or, or investor tokens. Uh, so they've taken a bunch of tokens. Um, our venture investment arm, also in that fourth prong, they've taken a bunch of tokens. Uh, so we'll continue to do that uh, for, for projects that we really like. Our, um, our security audit team, um, another kind of huge business of incredibly lucrative business because we've got just some awesome people. Uh, they're turning away 99% of the business. We're trying to grow the team. It's not easy to grow that that sort of team, uh, but we're building tools to to enable us to move through projects faster. Uh, so they make lots of money, and some of that money is in the form of tokens. Uh, Token Foundry is uh, another big revenue uh, earner as well. Uh, Infura is getting paid for, for a bunch of things these days. Academy gets paid. Um, so, yep. <laughs> uh, and and we are definitely taking a uh, an Amazon like approach of, of uh, uh, seeing this as a, a great opportunity to uh, do something significant in evolving how the world operates and and building hopefully a very successful mesh of businesses uh, mm -hmm. around that. Um, and is it hard to do? Yes, it's incredibly hard to grow quickly. Um, lots of different people with. Lots of agendas, but uh, 
for the most part, uh, we're attracted to the space and attracted to the company because we share overarching uh, philosophical principles. And uh, so that helps us get through stuff. And uh, um, we're quite flat. Um, hierarchy pops up now and then. And we try to do our best to dissolve it if it's starting to get a little structural and rigid. Um, but in some places, it's fine. Um, but we can. We have many different projects that uh, are quite autonomous in their governance and their day-to-day -day activities. And, and so we can uh, add talent uh, to lots of different projects. And uh, that talent gets absorbed very quickly and, and uh, absorbs the, the local culture of that project. Uh, and you know, people are functional right away. It's just a question of um, helping people to understand what consensus is, where it came from. And uh, uh, we're doing better on that front, creating better onboarding tools, etc. cetera. Uh, we have people who hover over the mesh and try to help uh, different projects communicate, collaborate, uh, create interoperations with one another. We have other people who uh, help with uh, um, raising emotional intelligence and um, sharing techniques for nonviolent communication. We've got another group coming in that's, uh, um, that's going to sort of specializes in um, helping groups form decentralized governance for themselves. But so, so in an organization that that works this way, you mentioned you know flat organization. You mentioned sort of independent spokes, right, um, or or pieces of the mesh, quite, how, quite autonomous. Yeah, a, a, autonomy, right? Like, how do you align all those pieces to work, um, sort of for a, an overarching goal? Like, how how does the governance of of consensus work? Well, it's, it's pretty decentralized. We could, uh, uh, let's say, take a coin-based approach where they are trying to create a, uh, um, a coherent or unified set of services across lots of platforms. And in that uh, kind of situation, I think they need good control over all their different teams. Uh, whereas we're creating a a much more organic bottom-up approach, um, sort of ecosystem building. Uh, there's a lot of freedom within consensus to build what you want to build, uh, but we're getting we're getting a little more structured around that because uh, it's not so great when people leave a team because they want to build something else, and so um, uh, we're dealing with those sorts of issues. Uh, but the idea is that uh, um, it's such a big space, uh, and um, you know if people either join consensus to build something that makes sense or within consensus decide that they want to build something that makes sense, then um, for the most part, uh, uh, we've been supporting that sort of thing. Um, in some cases, uh, let's say in reputation, uh, we we feel like we're building an ecosystem and we don't have a, a really good piece there. And so we, we would go out and, and try to uh, uh, construct that piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And... Um, <clears throat> Where do you see consensus in five years? What does this look like? Is this the Amazon of, of Web3? Uh, does it become more and more decentralized over time? Um, yeah, so I don't know the future. Um, it's, uh, it's a very dynamic space. Uh, but I, I think we are moving towards uh, greater horizontality, uh, bigger mesh, uh, greater autonomy uh, in in everything we do and all the different pieces. Uh, so 
our labs team, which uh, is tasked with helping a bunch of our product teams called Spokes uh, to mature. Um, one of the things that, that they've done a bit of in the past and, and uh, expect to see them do more of uh, is helping teams wrap themselves in, in APIs, uh, a little bit like Amazon, um, and uh, attach service level agreements to the APIs. We have a project called Open Law uh, that you may be aware of. It's a spectacular project. It's going to have some really big news soon. Um, and open law is basically blockchain-based, legally enforceable agreements. Uh, and so you can, uh, in an SLA, let's say our marketing uh, group um, has an API and an SLA, and that's um, constructed in the form of an open law agreement. You can send data into these agreements, legally enforceable agreements. You can send money into these legally enforceable agreements. Uh, clauses in those agreements can pay out money uh, when certain conditions are met. And so... Um, whether it's our product teams or even our service circles like HR and finance and marketing, uh, if they all are exposing uh, their capabilities, then um, you know they sort of become even more autonomous units uh, and um, people or groups within the mesh uh, can use those services and, and they're not constrained to doing that. Uh, uh, if you uh, feel like you're not getting what you need from the marketing group, then uh, you can go outside of consensus. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is if we do a good job of, uh, of wrapping all those functional units, then uh, a project can come along and, and use five of them or seven of them. They can token launch themselves and market themselves and they can use our HR decentralized employment organization, and they can uh, use our, our finance tools that we built and uh, essentially maybe permissionlessly attach themselves to the consensus mesh. Excellent. And, um, <clears throat> you, you know, we mentioned open law and kind of being able to integrate essentially, uh, you know, blockchain technology into kind of an existing legal framework or, or, or legal environment. Um, in general, how... Um, how much does the outcome of consensus depend on sort of the regulatory landscape, especially here in the United States, um, for blockchain technology? And um, what is what is your outlook on that as, as a company? I think it heavily depends on the global regulatory landscape. Uh, we uh, want to keep doing what we're doing uh, without uh, uh, being unnecessarily encumbered either um, – defending ourselves, or uh, I'm sure we won't get to the point where people in the blockchain space are incarcerated for doing blockchain work, but uh, um, we pay a ton of attention uh, to uh, regulation. We uh, work with, speak with regulators around the world heavily in, in this country. Uh, I think we're, um, so it, it breaks into um, two streams, basically, uh, securities law. Uh, and money transmission issues. Uh, and so with securities law, uh, I'm very comfortable that uh, things are shaping up beautifully in this country and, and well in many other countries. Uh, so um, Bill Hinman, uh, Director of Corporate Finance of the SEC, about two months ago um, basically declared uh, Ether was not a security 
uh, and even more importantly, he spoke about uh, consumer utility tokens and that they, uh, uh, if they're constructed properly, uh, if they're marketed properly, so that you're not selling them in, nor in enormous quantities to speculators, uh, then uh, it's likely that uh, they would not be seen to be a security. And, and so these, you know, you can. Traditionally, uh, I can put money in a company, a company can service its customers, and I can look to these people running the company for a return on my investment. Um, with this new construct, this networked business model, uh, I can um, buy a token that represents uh, uh, some sort of utility, some, some of the business logic of this platform, uh, but I can also take a role in that platform and, and add value that way. and. Uh, uh, I and other people and other companies uh, are essentially uh, participating in a peer-to-peer -peer networked economy, uh, and that's not an investment uh, in the same sense that uh, uh, basically because I'm not relying uh, on a, a group of people to return um, value for my investment, I am uh, a participant in that situation. And so um, that's... it's pretty exciting to me that uh, uh, regulators, uh, important regulators, the, the very long-armed regulators, um, are uh, thinking very innovatively. They, they've been really impressive in, uh, um, in how they're understanding the space and uh, um, uh, giving quite a lot of leeway. Uh, so they, they uh, definitely are clamping down on obvious frauds. Um, and uh, I, I don't think that they're interested in. Well, I know they're not interested in in um, killing blockchain for America, uh, and so they have to be very careful in their messaging. They have to say a whole bunch of positive things, but uh, they've also been very clear that they're going to continue to enforce securities law um, as they have been for many decades, and uh, uh, there won't be any blockchain projects grandfathered in just because they're blockchain projects. Um, so there, there will be more to come, I think, from from that agency. Uh, maybe, maybe some difficult statements for some projects. So you, you seem you seem bullish. Is there? Are you thinking of like a kind of time frame in your mind when when you think it will get figured out? Or uh, the SEC doesn't ask me. Uh, <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, when they should act on stuff. I have one more, and then excitingly, um, I'd love to open it up to the audience for some questions. But um, so. After three and a half years at, as the leader uh, of consensus, um, I am not the leader. Figuratively, the leader. Um, are there are there leaders that you admire, or or sort of even if you're not the leader, like do you pattern um, kind of your behavior um, after someone? Uh, that you've admired in the past? No, not really. Um, so what what we try to do is. Uh, uh, listen a lot when, when we're doing our best within the company. We try to listen a lot. We try to uh, um, uh, solicit a lot of opinion. Uh, we don't want everybody voting on every little issue. Uh, essentially, um, everybody's empowered to act. Uh, if they think it only affects their situation, then of course go and do it. Um, if they think it's going to affect a few people around them, then maybe you should have a conversation with those people or at least inform them that, that you're taking a, a certain action. Um, and you know, if, it's a, if it's a big decision, then maybe we all have to get into a town hall and, and talk it through. And so um, we need to be a little careful that uh, that sort of thinking doesn't bog down decision making. And so uh, we can 
set up situations where a few people are, are driving an effort, uh, but we want to make sure that uh, everybody has at least uh, um, visibility into that effort uh, and voice. Uh, so people should be able to, to say what they need to say. So it sounds like a company with high EQ, essentially. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, Joe, thank you very much. Um, does anyone in the audience have questions for Joe? Yes. Hi, I'm Kirsten Chen. Uh, I was wondering, uh, as a writer, I'm wondering if you can speak to the coverage thus far um, on blockchain, on Ethereum, how you hope to see it evolve, and what kind of things, resources, uh, uh, new areas that we should be focusing on to help progress it in a positive manner. Uh, so the coverage has evolved over time. Uh, uh, when Ethereum was being um, introduced to the world, uh, uh, there were lots of people who thought it was impossible or a stupid idea. Um, and so we, we moved through that. And I think some people still think it's impossible and, and a stupid idea. Um, too large an attack surface, perhaps. Um, uh, we went through a period where there were certain biases uh, in blockchain-focused media, uh, biases that were based on the fact that certain people had uh, Bitcoin-heavy portfolios, uh, biases on the fact that certain people didn't get into Ethereum. Um, that changed slightly when um, there was more exposure to Ethereum-like um, uh, platforms or technologies. Um, and um, so the Bitcoin system um, started essentially uh, in the realm of, of crypto anarchy. Um, uh, people um, who were cryptographers or in, you know, thought a lot about monetary policy, thought about centralization and how banks and monetary theory is conducted. Um, they built this system that was essentially uh, a replacement for money or intended to be a replacement for money. Uh, and that money ethos um, has um, continued through uh, and has attracted essentially a trader mindset. Lots of um, people holding it uh, as uh, a store of value or trading it, uh, basically. And so that's a very different mindset uh, from... Uh, what Ethereum was intended to be, which is uh, a, a decentralized application platform and one of the early core elements of the decentralized World Wide Web. And so we still, I was, I was on um, TD Ameritrade uh, on NASDAQ uh, today and Bloomberg yesterday, and the kinds of questions that they ask are just, you know, all about price and, um, you know, all those very narrow financial uh, concerns. Uh, and that's uh, so it, it's relevant, it's interesting, um, but it's just it's such a tiny uh, element of what I hope we all are paying t attention to, which is uh, moving from Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, moving from siloed walled garden systems to shared, trustworthy, collaborative infrastructure, um, fixing the fact that the internet. Uh, or the web never had an identity construct, and it has uh, enabled all these businesses to define identity um, to serve their own business models. Uh, and so that's uh, become problematic uh, for the globe. Uh, it's become really quite exploitative, and uh, I think we're on the cusp of uh, uh, 
moving towards solutions to that. Um, so uh, hopefully the, uh, and it's really hard too because this stuff is so early and very complex and very subtle. And so uh, unless you're uh, immersed in it, uh, it's just really hard to understand what's going on and why. And so the, um, I guess people uh, from their own perspective um, will appreciate it for, for what they care about. And, and that's great. I mean, I, I don't need to, uh, and it should be the case that there, are, there should be so many people uh, attracted to aspects of the ecosystem that I'm not in sync with. And uh, uh, maybe I don't even respect uh, their perspective, but we need them uh, in the ecosystem because uh, unless we pull uh, virtually everybody in in their own role, then uh, I don't think we'll be significant. Uh, so I don't know if that's a good answer to your question, but if you're a writer, um, I guess uh, uh, my preference would be that you uh, focus on uh, the broader picture, uh, building decentralized applications. Alex B. In your opinion, Joe, um, what needs to happen for the majority of people who are not technology savvy to start um, easily and safely using decentralized technology? How long will it take and what specifically are you doing to get there? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, and I don't know. Uh, so, so it's, um, you know, what what did it take uh, for uh, people who weren't using the web to start using email? Uh, so it's the same sorts of things. Uh, we need scalability worked out. Uh, it's getting worked out in phase two um, very soon now and very soon with uh, uh, with different layer two technologies. It uh, will get worked out uh, when... Um, these networks, the, the layer one, um, uh, gets much more scalable, and uh, I think that's going to go very well. Um, and uh, we, we don't, I, I guess I, I tell people, um, uh, normal people, not technologists, um, that you don't really need to worry about blockchain. Uh, yes, it's really exciting. Yes, the implications are really profound for virtually all aspects of society, and, and that's why you're hearing about it so much. Uh, that and the fact that there's these value tokens that are sloshing around that's associated with this new wave of technology. Um, but don't worry about it uh, because uh, we just need to focus on helping technologists, entrepreneurs build systems that, uh, um, that they are charged with uh, uh, helping consumers care about. Uh, so, um, when is that all going to happen? We need uh, scalability. We need better privacy, configurable privacy and confidentiality. Um, and we need uh, um, very uh, rigorous uh, ways of securing private keys uh, while at the same time making it easy for people to uh, use private keys or, or not know that they're using private keys and, and still have access to uh, you know, controlling aspects of their identity and controlling their value tokens. Um, I, I don't know exactly when that's going to happen. Um, so I think your guess is uh, as good as mine. Uh, although, um, so this year, uh, I think we're going to see four or five projects in the gaming space, um, uh, esports, uh, card games, um, etc. Uh, that 
uh, A, are going to bring their own scalability um, to the situation, uh, and B, are, are going to be uh, uh, sort of uh, pushing um, on the technology uh, and bringing uh, early users uh, uh, into sort of compelling consumer applications. And uh, I think gaming is really perfect for that. It's, uh, it's a low-risk... Um, low stress uh, kind of situation where you're not, uh, um, I don't know. So uh, let let's. Uh, uh, or I, I think I do expect that uh, uh, we'll see some some early big wins in that space. What's what's the relationship between uh, parity and the Ethereum Foundation, and, and why hasn't there been a public audit of the Ethereum Foundation? Uh, so Gavin Wood uh, was a founder of. Ethereum and um, left the foundation to start Parity, uh, and the Parity team uh, continues to build uh, an Ethereum client. And um, in order to be an Ethereum client, you have to implement the Ethereum protocol, and uh, so they have to stay in sync with uh, uh, with the Geth team and uh, the new Python team and. Um, Uh, well, I wonder if you have any kind of uh, notions of how we might be able to decentralize wealth. Um, so I, I guess the premise would be that uh, um, that we should try to spread wealth very evenly. I'm not sure that that that's a valid premise. I, I think. Uh, uh, spreading wealth and power more broadly is a great idea, um, but uh, and, and uh, certainly models like universal basic income could help with that. And as we move into a world where uh, a bunch of our needs are taken care of by technology, uh, I think that'll uh, come to come into play. Uh, so token launches, in my opinion, are uh, a much more democratic way of. Uh, uh, accessing capital um, and um, deploying your capital. Uh, so uh, anywhere in the world, uh, somebody who cares about a project could buy a token. Uh, could be uh, uh, a young uh, esports enthusiast uh, who buys uh, tokens uh, on a platform, and uh, uh, I think it's a just a much better system than. Um, what we've had before with the uh, uh, traditional capital markets, uh, venture capital markets, etc. Um, proof of stake is, uh, uh, when it's implemented, will be uh, enormously lower barrier to entry. Uh, so instead of uh, having to, uh, in order to be a real participant, you've got to buy um, expensive hardware, you've got to pay a lot for electricity, um, there are uh, efficiencies of scale in that situation where uh, if you uh, house a whole bunch of rigs, um, bear, uh, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, proof of work is, um, is, okay. Um, so yes, proof of work um, is, uh, um, I guess, far easier to do better in uh, if you have more capital. Uh, and uh, um, proof of stake uh, does have much lower barrier to entry. Um, 
because all you really have to do is uh, put some capital into a smart contract and uh, uh, the devices that you'll be able to use uh, should be um, pretty low powered devices and they're not going to require very much electricity because you're not uh, uh, solving a whole bunch of puzzles to, to try to uh, uh, become the leader uh, of the next round of consensus formation. So um, uh, I think uh, uh, instead of a whole bunch of businesses that, that can grow to be quite large and quite dominating of uh, a blockchain ecosystem, um, you know, uh, if we construct proof of stake mechanisms well, uh, anybody should be able to run that, uh, coordinate it from their phone or, or something like that. Uh, uh, Rocket Pool is a project uh, that will enable um, virtually anybody to put uh, any amount of capital uh, into the system and, and participate in uh, securing the network and, and making some money from the network. So um, uh, I think uh, proof of stake is... Uh, um, much less of a rich get richer scheme than proof of work. Awesome. Thank you very much for your questions, Joe. Thank you so much for participating yeah, in this community event. I have, I have one last question. My analyst team is dying to know, are you heading to Burning Man this year? Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be there. Are you going? I, I'm not going, but... Uh, Some of your team is going? One, one, one day. One day we'll meet there. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, okay. Joe. Thanks, man. All right. And thank all of you for coming here. I just wanted to tell you also about our next uh, talk is coming up on uh, September 17th. We have Jesse Grushak of Ujo, which is a blockchain startup that is looking to disrupt the business of music licensing and music distribution. Um, it's going to be a great talk, and we'll have some other people here joining him. So we'll see you on September 17th if you make it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Joe and Jake. This was Crypto Conversations from Block Party. Live recording and post-production work done by Irving Godori. Music by Le Chef. Thanks for joining the conversation.